Welcome to the First Generation Professionals Podcast, the show where we celebrate journeys, successes, and stories of individuals who have paved the way in the professional worlds, breaking barriers, and shattering stereotypes along the way. I'm your host for this episode, Kayla Gerardo, and today we have a remarkable guest joining us, Cassie Ortega. They're not just a groundbreaker, but a shining example of what it means to be a first-generation professional. They defied the odds, overcome obstacles, and carved out a unique path to succeed in their respective fields. We'll dive deep into their experiences, thoughts, and wisdom throughout this episode, and we're confident that their journey will inspire you as much as it inspired me. So grab your favorite beverage, get comfortable, and prepare to be inspired as we embark on a journey of resilience, determination, and triumph with our special guest, Cassie Ortega. So with that being said, can you please introduce yourself? Okay. My name is Blanca Ortega. I actually prefer being called by Cassie. I started my educational journey in Oxnard Community College. I entered as a biology major and continued my way in general biology to UC San Diego. And now I'm working in LabCorp, a diagnostic laboratory as a laboratory and technician. And then did you have any minors? No, I didn't have any minors. I thought about them, but they were just too long of requisites that I just didn't want to deal with. It was already going to be five years. Yeah, we don't want to add more on the timeline if we don't have to. (laughs) Yeah, as a STEM major, that already feels like too long anyway, so... No, you do not have to explain yourself. I've seen, I'm actually a communication major, but my I have a lot of STEM friends and I've seen their workload, plus the labs that don't even count, but they do count, but they don't count yeah. kind of thing. But how did you start your career? Like what motivated you to pursue this specific path? My path actually started way before in like high school. I had a grandmother that had diabetes And my last year of high school, she passed away due to like complications. And I just always was the one in the family that would say, oh, you know, grandma, when when I get older, you know, I'm going to be your nurse and I'll help take care of you. Um, And she passed away before I was able to like do that for her. And so I kind of thought to myself, you know, I could probably do more than just take care of people. I can be on the other side of stuff and uh, be the scientific part of that and take care of her that way. Um, Or people now coming forward, those individuals that suffer from this illness and do research behind it. And so my solution came from that. And that's why I wanted to pursue biology. My grandma really inspired me to want to help other people. And that's why I picked bio. I love that. Um, And did your background as a first generation student influence any of these choices? And like, did any specific factors play a role? Because I know you wanted to kind of, that was kind of like your push start was your grandma. Um, But did being a first-generation student impact any of those decisions? It made me a lot more fearful, um, right? Because you're very lost in this whole process. You don't really know what you're doing. You don't have anybody to ask. 
nobody else pursued it. So therefore, you're like, okay, you know, maybe I'll take this big leap. And that encouraged me to want to do it more. Because I would be the first one. I would be the one that everybody will look after. Um, and then come and ask those questions. I wanted to be that point of contact with uh, my family and be like, hey, you know, I don't know what's going on. But you know, your Thea does, right? And it pushed me to want to do it more. I was really blessed in that I was able to be part of a low income first generation program in my high school that was able to give us all those resources. But it was really a lot of digging that I had to do for myself to try and get to that point and find those resources more than anything to help. Yeah, I always like with talking to everyone, it's very interesting seeing like the resources are there, but you have to look for them. And I feel like you shouldn't have to look that hard to get these resources. Yeah. Or by the time you find out, it's like already past the deadline or, you know, um, you have to have done this, this and this. And it's like, okay, well, how was I supposed to know all of that? This wasn't given to me. Nobody told me about all this. Mm -hmm. Or you graduate. And I feel like uh, another thing, like I have a lot of alumni friends and I'm like, oh yeah, like we're having this on campus and, or we're having this now on campus. And they're like, I was not aware that was even a thing. And like, I just graduated a year ago. Like, what do you mean that like we had that on campus this entire time? So it's always interesting to see that because it's like, well, if we have all these amazing resources on campus, do they really matter if we're not advertising them? Like, it doesn't really matter if no one's going to them. Right. They're offered, but they're just so hidden, I guess, in a way for us where it's not as accessible as it should be. Mm -hmm. um, I know that's how we really find out was like word of mouth, right? So if I don't tell my friend, hey, you know, by the way, there's this and this and this available, then how are they going to know? Yeah, and it's just a vicious cycle, which is the horrible part. But regarding joining the workforce, how is your experience understanding organizational culture and just like immersing yourself into like this new journey? Oh, it's so hard. It felt like I felt faced flat as I was joining it really is this huge like almost feels like culture shock uh, I had to basically rediscover who I was as crazy as that is because you're so used to being a student you're so used to you know studying and doing this and it's always one thing after another and with work it's just this one continuous thing that happens day in and day out so that was very different, having to discover like, hey, you know, I, I can actually take time and not do anything right now. Or, you know, just little things like figuring out how to do the direct deposit, setting up all of those little things where it's like, okay, but how? How do I do all this? It's those little, little things matter. No, yeah, you bring up a great point because I remember when I got my first job it was actually on campus too and they sent me like that whole thing like direct deposit and then I need this and I need your social security and I was like oh wait like I just wanted like I, I wanted the job and now I have to do like the stuff behind the scenes that no one talks about and it's like you don't even prepare, prepare for those like you prepare for the interview questions you prepare for like questions after the interview but you don't prepare for like those things because no one talks about them yeah, or like the drug test that you have to submit, you know, or like yeah. fingerprints. None of that. They don't talk about any of that. 
yeah it's just like I feel like those things are equally as important and like you should definitely know before like having your first day but do you feel you were equipped with the appropriate resources to succeed in life after university um yes and no there are some things like I said that you kind of just learn as you go you have to figure them out yourself uh other things I think for sure, like for me as a laboratory technician, like pipetting skills, those for sure, you were taught in college through your lab courses, how to properly take notes and make those calculations if you're like diluting things in the laboratory, kind of those core like lab 101 classes, those really, really help. None of the advanced classes ever did. And those were normally the harder ones as much as, you know, like nobody wants to hear that. So in that aspect, I did feel equipped. I didn't feel equipped to doing the schedule that it entails you're at day. You're at work all day and then you still have to come home and make food. And like, how do people like, as a student, you don't think about all that, that you have to go through that shift of living for yourself. And then you go to work and you have to do all these, just live make yourself live. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's so difficult to handle and manage all of that. Like, how do you adult? <laughs> no, exactly. It sounds like so silly, but it's true at the same time, which like you bring up a great point. Cause I remember talking to my sister after she graduated and she was like, just getting used to the schedule shift of like, Oh, I can't take like an hour nap in between like my classes. <laughs> like I usually did or, or meet my friends in between classes like this. It's like, no, you got to like a nine to five, like a nine to five day, like you clock in and you clock out and then you got to make your own dinner after that. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm tired and I have to feed myself now. Yeah, there's no social life. There's no, there's none of it when you're, when you're working, it's all out the window. And for me, it's even more tiring because I'm, my shift is four tens. So I'm at work. 10 hours plus my commutes I'm basically gone 12 hours out of my day and I get home and all I want to do is sleep so yeah that that adulting aspect of it is just so tiring and then my days off I I just want to dedicate the day to being in bed but you can't because you have to adult now you have to do laundry now you have to go do this and then it's long ending list that nobody tells you about <laughs> yeah and also like making time for yourself too like I hope you have those times where you're like, okay, I can go see my friends, but it's just like, you don't even think about, you know, like those things after college, like also the social aspect of it. Mm -hmm. But were there any professors or mentors during your time at school who significantly impacted your intellectual development? I had a professor that always supported me in community college. And I did kind of have a falling out just because of you know, just life in general, the professor stopped and he stopped teaching. He went and retired, but he greatly helped me realize that I had to keep pushing forward. And no matter how much I kind of put myself down for stuff, because I suffered through like the imposter syndrome. And so he greatly helped me realize that my greatest enemy was me. And 
I could only keep going forward. And there were motives that he, that I had that he never let me forget. And he just told me that my possibilities were endless. And I believed it all the way through. It's beautiful. I know it seems like so simple, but it's like you just need to hear it. And especially from like someone else and especially someone that's like professor or a mentor, just someone above you, because it means a lot more when it's coming from someone who isn't your friend or your mom or your dad. Right. Kind of thing. Yeah. You um, feel like they're obligated to tell you this type of stuff versus he's telling you straightly like, I, well, I mean, family does tell you because they believe it but you feel like they're more obligated to tell you versus if it comes from an outsider perspective, then it's like that much more genuine. So it makes you feel that much more validated. And I know you talked about feelings of imposter syndrome during your time at school. Do you still continue to struggle with those feelings of imposter syndrome at work? Oh yeah. I I feel sometimes that I don't fit um, that I could I should be somewhere else. Um, I don't know if that's termed any differently than the imposter syndrome, but it kind of that feeling of like, okay, what am I doing? Uh, I should be doing more. Uh, maybe, you know, this isn't the work of mine I should be doing. This isn't making a great impact. How is this day-to-day life helping out somebody else those are kind of just things that always run through my head as I'm working and I'm like no I I can't I can't think about this I just have to get through today so yeah I I do still kind of suffer with some hint of it I don't know if that's still the right terminology for it or if there's another word that best fits that I would say so I like also like do you like feel like you're just like winging it almost because that's something that I feel like I get like I'm like oh like everyone just kind of knows what my job is but in reality I'm sure like an average person walking down the street could definitely not do your job yeah you feel like you're just passing by or you feel like you're just getting by you're not going above or beyond but you're not not doing something that another person could do you're just floating (laughs) just existing (laughs) (laughs) yes exactly just existing but did you participate in any extracurricular activities organization internships or like any other like part-time jobs that like maybe helped your career path to where you are today I can I always worked as I was doing uh, school so in community college I was a tutor for the three years that I was there and then I continued to do tutoring through COVID till I graduated basically uh, UCSD and then in between I also participated in some like laboratory experience that was going to help me get my essential skills for working in the laboratory and then I did an internship in a diabetic Uh, company down in San Diego they're called Tandem they're the ones that make the little like insulin pumps and I was part of their like clinical trial team and that was an amazing experience I would love to go back to that company that gave me a lot of insight as to it's not just one part of um, my line of work that I could be doing I could be on the other hand 
or on the other side of it where, you know, maybe I don't necessarily need to be in the laboratory. I could also be behind the scenes uh, working with the clinical trials team and trying to figure out where the product isn't working or failing, you know, taking all of those analytical things and piecing them all together. So I felt very empowered to feel like I could go anywhere and really build upon whatever I wanted to do. Nice. It's always also nice to have options as well. But what kind of challenges did you find building networks and connections within the STEM field as a first-gen student? Oh my God. Um, I think the biggest one was everybody expected to feel like you knew certain things. So it was just kind of standard that you had to know this, right? So in the STEM field, it was more like, oh, you should know how to do these basic laboratory skills. And it's like, okay, but that's not what the classes are. So where do I get that core experience that everybody's expecting me to have that I don't have? So that for me was one really big challenge where I was expected to know some things and I didn't and I didn't know where to get them. And that's why it's so important to have mentors or professionals that you can go to that know those things and that you feel comfortable asking like, hey, you know, what are these core things that I'm supposed to know? Why are they expecting me to know this? Do not, like you said, to bridge that gap and help out. But unless you reach out, there's no real way of you knowing. Yeah, and it's also like funny like how do you expect me to know this especially when it's an introduction like level course too and I'm like whoa 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 like I thought you were supposed to tell me like what I needed to know and then we can start the class kind of thing it almost feels like you open a book and you're reading in the middle and they skip the entire first part of the book and then you're like dropped right in the middle and they're like okay so where are we and then it's like okay but you skip this entire first half And then how did you establish those like meaningful relationships with peers, faculty and professionals? Because I know you said you had like a relationship with someone during community college, but like, how did you even get to that level? If that makes sense. I was very involved with my community college. I had a, a job on campus, which greatly helped. Right. So I worked at the transfer center. And when I first started out, and so being part of the transfer center, you have to reach out to everybody and be like, hey, this is what we're offering. So we would do these types of like class presentations. And then from there, I went to the library and then they were like, hey, we're hiring tutors. And I'm like, oh, this is interesting. You know, now I could probably like put in my own skills and, and help out. And so then from there, I did tutoring. And that's kind of where I got my base connections, just being present, being involved with campus resources, not feeling afraid to try out new things. In UC San Diego, I wasn't quite as involved as I was for my community college, just because campus is so big. It's like six different schools in one campus. It's huge. 
I think now they've gone up to eight. So it's a, it's a huge, huge campus. But they had these like first generation programs there that I found out through the, oh, what is it called? Orientation. They had a, like a list slideshow of different resources on campus for first generation students. And for the orientation, I think you were able to like select, oh, what are you most interested in learning about? And I had clicked like the first generation uh, page and transfer for transfer students. And I connected with my transfer center, I guess, over there. And they were the ones that really helped me out like, hey, you know, this mentorship program helps you out. And so then they connected me to a faculty on campus that would tell me, hey, you know, if you're interested, this professor is going to do this type of class, you know, this could really help you. And from there, they just, it was a lot of like word to mouth, but it was really having to reach out, feeling comfortable to ask for help, because a lot of us don't feel like we're very proud or we're very um, afraid or nervous to want to reach out because, I don't know, for X, Y, Z reason, you just feel like you shouldn't have to ask. You feel like you should just know and you're afraid to like admit it and you're proud about it. So you don't do it. But that's why you should, because you don't know. You can't pretend your whole way through. And so it's really growing out of your shell and having to ask for that help that helps with those connections I feel like just reaching out yeah I think the biggest thing is like just building your confidence too like just to ask those questions like as cheesy as it sounds you just like you gotta find out so you just gotta ask and you just gotta build your confidence but how has your education you know being a biology major influenced your worldview critical thinking skills and just personal growth overall Oh, that's a heavy loaded question. Um, I think it makes me have a more optimistic view of life and to see that our world is always changing and we're working very hard to try and find those cures or try to find things that work out for our uh, lifestyles. I think it makes me think more um, on what, could be out there and what solutions can be out there and how did your experience as a first gen stem student shaped your understanding of your own identity and cultural heritage as well i think it makes you more proud it definitely makes you feel like everybody could do what they set their dreams out to do um, that it's not this impossible thing or that I guess in my culture, my um, I'm Mexican. And so that thinking of like, oh, si se puede, as cheesy as it sounds, I know everybody uses it, but it really is true. And having to stick through that and having your family be like, well, you know, my daughter did this. Or, you know, just to be able to hear that from your family. Or I think right now, the biggest thing that touched my heart was my niece. She's four years old and she started school recently. And you know how they do like those little Instagram posts where like, oh, my name is, I'm going to, when I grow up, I want to be, right? And um, my sister 
sent it to me and she's like, hey, check out what she wants to be. And on her little board, she put, I want to be a scientist. And when I called her, I'm like, hey, your mommy told me that you wanted to be a scientist. She's like, yeah, like you, Thea. That way I could do experiments. And I, I was just like, this, this is that moment, you know, like what you feel like you've been working for. It's like it's working. It's you're seeing it, it and it um, pushes you to keep wanting to do more to, you know, like especially like my niece. Now she can come to me if she has any of those questions. She doesn't have to suffer through all of that. She doesn't have to feel lost. And I think that's the really big thing with being the first generation student, that it just makes you feel proud. It makes you feel in, like empowered to want to do more. Oh, sorry, that was just like beautiful. Like it's just very a full circle moment as well. Like you said before, like you didn't have anyone in your family to ask questions about all of this. And not only that, but now she has someone who looks like her doing those things as well. And I think that's another important thing is just like showing like you can do it too. Like you as a young Mexican woman who there's not a lot of representation too in any STEM fields for that matter. So even, you know, your niece just saying, well, my Thea is basically a scientist and I'm going to be a scientist too. So. Yeah. Especially in like San Diego, it was very predominantly like Asian and white um, and there was a very, very small percentage of Mexicans, let alone Mexicans in a STEM field. That was like, oh, so, so rare. And I Mexican had maybe like women. five. Yeah, yeah. Mexican women in a STEM field. It Now, the percentage just keep going down. And then as you build up your education, it gets even like a smaller percentage. I think it's like a 2.5% when you get to your master's. So I, I just feel like we can defy those odds. And that's what pushes you as a first generation student to defy them. Yeah. And then also hearing like those statistics from like your point of view too, is I'm like, okay, well, why are the percentages going down as we go up kind of thing? Like as we go up in higher education, like why are numbers starting to dwindle? Like what can we do but another question I thought of, like, I know you are so proud, as, as you should be, for all the accomplishments that you have, but do you ever feel, like, a sense of guilt as well? Because I tend to feel guilty at times, especially when I do have accomplishments. I'm also, like, proud that, like, my parents can say, well, like, my daughter's doing this or, like, my daughter's doing that. But I also feel some sort of guilt as well because... I know like deep down they could have been doing something similar to me as if they had if just if they had those opportunities and resources of them telling them what to do. So I kind of like find myself like not sharing certain things just because of sense of guilt. And I was wondering if you felt that way too. Oh, uh, yes. Feeling like you shouldn't share some of your accomplishment, accomplishments to not make your family feel bad for sure. I remember when I did my internship, I, they, they were paying me like this crazy amount. And I don't know if it's like a normal amount, but for me to see that amount to be paid per hour as an intern, that I was only going to be with them for three months, it was 29 an hour in San Diego. And it, 
like it blew my mind and I didn't want to tell my parents because I felt bad. I'm like, how is it that I'm going to be winning this in three months when it could take my parents more than a year or, you know, um, so it's just something that I didn't want to share with them. I didn't want them to make, make them feel bad in any type of way. Um, I remember through my, even with my cousin, I have a cousin in Mexico that she stopped pursuing her career because of family obligations. And so with her, I, I felt even more bad. I'm like, how is it that I was able to pursue what I wanted? And my family allowed me to do all that or not allowed me, but in her context, it was like she had to step down what she was doing because of family sakes and to try and help them out. And so for me, I'm like, well, allowing me to do this, I can achieve my goals and she can't. Why? And I kept questioning it. Like, why is it that I can and she can't? And I felt almost guilty about it. And so it was just things that now I can't, not like see her, but I feel like I avoid certain topics in front of her just to not make her feel uncomfortable. Yeah, it, I don't know if it's guilt or if, like you said, um, just trying to avoid those topics so they don't feel that type of way. No, I know exactly what you mean, 100%, because I also have like cousins who are like going the more traditional route, like where their parents went through and kind of like continuing that instead of going to college, which is totally fine but like you said like you bring up those conversations of like oh well I was doing this on campus this week and like we kind of had this and it's almost like bragging in a way and I just feel bad because then they're like oh you don't talk about school but then when I do I kind of see like people's faces as well and it's another thing you like read the room and they're like oh I could be doing that or it's like I was, or they'll say like, oh, you know, well, I was home doing this and taking care of the kids and feeding them. And you're like, oh, well, you know, I was studying at like a Starbucks looking at the, you know, like the ocean. And it was, it's like, no, I, I, I can't touch those topics or I still, I, I can't tell my family of having that experience of being so close to like Tijuana and having like field trips with my friends to go get tacos or stuff like like so tiny tiny little details like that where I can't tell them because they'll be like oh entonces you know like para que estabas estudiando or like what were you doing are you not invested in your future da, 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 da. and then they make you feel guilty but then you tell them and then they look at you like you're weird in some type of way so it just you just don't talk Exactly. And then you you just don't talk about it. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, I went out with my friends or maybe there was like a fair on campus at night. But I was also like I had three back to back classes and then I also worked a shift after that class. And then I went to like that fair kind of thing. And they just don't understand like the behind of the scenes that go through all. And like we all have like our, our struggles, but they're different type of struggles, if that makes sense. Yeah. And then because you're a first generation student and they didn't go through any of that, they don't understand that, you know, I can't come home this weekend or, hey, I really need to study for this. Or they don't understand that your priorities in school become different. And that that's a whole nother thing being a student as a first generation student. that They don't I, I feel like was never addressed. 
How did your family and community react to your decision to pursue a biology major? I think they always expected me to do something great. Um, there was never any shock about it. I think their only shock was I was originally supposed to go to like directly from high school to a university and I opted out of it and ended up doing the transfer route. So they were shocked about that of me not wanting to leave right away, but they weren't shocked about my major at all. They always knew that I had this passion for like math or um, just a passion for school in general. My mom tells me stories of like when I was in first grade where she had like a teacher conference and the teacher was like, you need to give your, your daughter something to do because she's finishing her work too early and she's asking for more and I can't keep her occupied. And I remember my mom would send me to school with like crossword puzzles and that would have to keep me entertained. So I don't think there was ever any shock that I wanted to keep doing more and pushing myself with things. They were very supportive throughout the way. My oldest sister, she always was like, you could do more, you could do more. And there was never any question about it. Did you have any mentors or role models like within your family or community who helped guide and support you as a first-gen student? Because I know you are like a first-gen student, so you couldn't necessarily go to like like yourself, like you can't go to Thea and ask like, oh, like, how do I apply for FAFSA kind of thing? Did you lean on anyone during this process? Like just being a role model to you and just being like, I want their work ethic kind of thing. I always knew that I wanted the work ethic of my dad. Um, he worked tirelessly. I remember he used to have like two jobs when I was younger. He used to work at a... Um, like Sarah Lee as a baker and then he was a trucker and he would come home and he would sleep and wake up and go to work and then he was gone majority of the day and I just always thought that was beautiful that he would put himself in such a position where he wouldn't see us and he would put us through life and give us these amazing opportunities to continue to want to be what we wanted to be and so I always wanted his work ethic as far as going to anybody for assistance or um, questions, it was more of like mental support, I guess, that I wouldn't crumble under the stress. Because my strong suit was not in chemistry. And as a biology major, that's basically all you take, as sad as that sounds they're very intertwined unfortunately and so I really suffered in chemistry and I would remember like having a study and not understanding a lick of what was going on um, but I always knew that I at least I had my sister and I always had somebody to go to like if I just wanted to cry and you know like just let it all out and then continue to like refocus because I'm very much one of those people that if I'm emotionally very very tired or very over things I cry it out and then I'm okay it's like nothing happened and I can continue to focus so she was my safe space and all of that as far as for like all of the other like nitty-gritty back details like FAFSA college application a curriculum all of that I relied on resources from school 
And I was very thankful that I had uh, been working on campus. So I knew who to go to. They were my supervisors that, you know, that I was able to go to. So those, those were some of my kind of resources at the time. Again, yeah. exactly what you mean about cry it out and then I'll be fine. Because like, I'll be, especially like, I'll just rant to my mom or my sister and I'll just like rant and I'll rant and I'll cry. And then I'll be like, why was I crying? Like, it wasn't, like, it wasn't even that big of a kind of thing. Like, usually I'll be like typing, like working after and I was like, I'm fine. Like, I just needed to, like you said, like cry it out kind of. And just be like, okay, well, what's the next step now? But you have have any financial considerations that impacted your decisions to pursue a college education as a first-gen student? Oh yeah you um, I feel like as a first-gen student you always go with the cheapest uh, even though it might not be the best suited for you because you don't want to inconvenience family or you don't want to inconvenience yourself because you don't know what challenges are up ahead nobody talks to you about them I knew for me, because I had applied to UCs, that it was going to be significantly more expensive. But they are very well known for STEM majors. So I was like, I have to bite the bullet somewhere. And um, being like a low income, I was like, okay, I just have to think fastest paying for everything and not, you know, I kind of put on blind spots and be like, okay, now I can pick what's better for me. And that was the only reason why I even was able to pick UC San Diego was because of FAFSA. I know that had I come from another type of economical background that FAFSA considers like not low class, but you know that, oh, you can definitely pay for those courses. It's fine. You don't need the grant or you don't need this. I know that I wouldn't have gone with that choice. So as a, as a first generation, you're always thinking of ways to save, I think too. And something that I think I carried on from my mom was coupons and deals. I, if it's not on sale, if it doesn't have a coupon behind it, I'm not purchasing it. it it's just... <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if it's the Mexican side of me, the first generation side of me. If I can save money, that's where I'm going to go. I'm I refuse to pay more than than I need to. No, as soon as you said coupons, <laughs> I felt like I was just being awakened. I still have a coupon book like I am still the type of person who gets the newspapers and like the stuff that they just put in your mailbox that people usually throw out or they just use as like, you know, like little trash like here and there. No, I'm cutting it out. Like Jack in the Box is having a two for something meal. Okay, that's my treat that I'll treat myself, you know. But I need to have college. Yeah, no, every time I go home, my mom's like, Mija, here's another stack. And I'm like, don't mind if I do, like get my little savings always had good deals too no exactly I have all the reward apps I have all the point like here go go ahead and scan my little point system I will be back for my free chipotle bowl like I will be saving don't even worry no but I I definitely get what it means like we're saving any way we can save we will save any way we can make another meal 
one meal, two meals, we're going to do it. But or I think whenever that- you see free food, you're like, okay, I'm definitely going. You see the free food there. It's, it makes I'm signed up. <laughs> no, yeah. I'll, I'll see some stuff where it's like, I'm a calm major, but I'll see like STEM is throwing an event and they're having free pizza. Okay. Well, I guess I'm a STEM major for the night because I want free pizza. Or um, there was this app. I don't know if they still have it. It's this app for students. Um, I think it's called One Life. And so you get a discount for like even apparel. Mm-hmm. No, I have yeah. that. You put like your student email in and then you have like a bunch yeah. of options. And I'm like, no, sign me up. Cause I'm the type of person where it's like, no, you can go in front of me. Like I need to get my, I need to get my little coupon book and I need to check. I have all my like little emails out and ready for them to scan <laughs> on the topic of, you know, budgeting and all that fun stuff. Were there any scholarships or grants or other financial aid opportunities besides FAFSA specifically available for first gen or other like they don't have to be necessarily for first gen, but any other resources that supported you? My community college offered this grant system that had a bunch of different scholarships and you could narrow it down based on what applied to you. So for example, we had one that was like, oh, if you're a first generation, you know, these are the scholarships that would best apply to you. Or, you know, if you're of Mexican ethnicity, then, you know, there's these, these, and these, Native American, these, these, and these. This whole website for, it was like the month of October, uh, that they would offer these scholarships. And I remember getting one for like a computer. And that's how I was able to purchase my computer. I got a refund. And only paid maybe like $300 out of pocket for a Mac. And I was like, love it. And then at the time when you were a student and you bought it at a certain time, like I think in June before school started, you got free headphones. And so I'm like, ooh, that felt like two for one. It was great. (laughs) And um, those were kind of like little scholarships here and there that were offered. Um, There was a lot more, I think, for STEM students in my university versus the community college, it was much more impacted for like first generation students. For me, what really helped was the Golden Blue, which was part of, I think it's partnered up with FAFSA as well, but it's for the UCs and it applies to any student that their financial income is under like 80,000 in the household, paid for all tuition basically. And then any programs that they had where you could like rent like a calculator or rent a textbook I used. So kind of just programs that the school offered, I think were more what I used in that time. And transitioning from a student to a professional Just to sum it all up, what does being a first-generation professional mean to you? I feel like that gives me the opportunity to pass on all of the resources that I've gotten to know and all of the mistakes that I made. I can tell people and they don't have to go do all of that. They can skip all of that and, you know, they don't they won't be as discouraged or um, 
they have finally like a face that they can say, oh, you know, well, this person did it. So, and they'll question themselves and they'll be like, oh, then why can't I? And as a professional, that's what I hope and inspire to be. I want to be that picture of like, no, I could do it too. Or I hope that I would be that person accessible to people that they can feel comfortable enough to come and ask me those difficult questions of like, hey, how's your work? Or, hey, what are things that they didn't tell you? Or, hey, I don't know how to do this. Can you help me out? I think the most important, I think, to sum it all up is to be that point of contact for people. That's what I really want to be. Since you bring up being like you want to be that point of contact for people, have you had the opportunity to mentor or support any students, maybe particularly first-gen students by any chance? Yes. So we, the whole reason of how I found out with your guys' program was through a student that used to go to our community college that reached out to our director. And we started an organization for STEM students to connect with their alumni. And I'm the vice president of that club. And so they're like, hey, you know, we're looking for people to interview and um, we're in dire need of first generation students. And so I'm like, hey, you know what? This is what I'm looking for. This is what I'm here for. This is why we created this whole organization in the first place. And that has been very rewarding to go back and do certain events at the community college. It feels like full circle moment where you stand right where you were at one point and you finally are able to tell everything that you went through and they don't feel as confused or they feel like they really have this opportunity to keep going. And that's really what we're here to do. So that's been very rewarding and I'm very thankful that I have been given that opportunity to uh, do that. And on the topic of mentoring students also, it's amazing. I love like that whole program that's happening just because I just feel like it's always nice to have a mentor as well. Like it's just like someone that you can directly go to, to ask those embarrassing questions that shouldn't be embarrassing someone that you can go to so on the topic of that what advice would you give to other students or future professionals who may share the same experience as you don't feel afraid to reach out um, break your habits of not asking questions I think the most unexpected conversations lead to really beautiful things and you might not even know it. And so don't shy away from that. And um, when you feel like you can't adult, try to look for an adult that can adult better than you. <laughs> That's a funny way of putting it, just because I feel like I'm getting older and I'm like, oh, I feel like everyone's just as clueless as I am. Like, oh, like, we're all in the same boat here. <laughs> like, if that makes sense. We're all just yeah, like we're all like really just kids and like grown up bodies just like assuming like we all know what we're doing and if we just all had a conversation where it's like 
no, I don't feel like the greatest today. And I feel like I'm doing something wrong. Like if we just voice that, I feel like so many organizations would just go so much smoother, like just communication, like just communicate <laughs> as silly yeah. as it sounds and just being vulnerable too. I don't know. Just like yeah. hearing yeah. all of these conversations with amazing professionals about you and just like just the conversation we had about guilt too. Like it's just very validating just to hear it come from someone else that you don't directly know. Right. Hearing it from a stranger might make you feel that much more powered through to do things you want to continue to do. I always tell my sister, (laughs) sometimes when I, I feel like I can't do stuff, I'll tell her like, I need your advice. And she's like, yeah, but you're an adult. And I'm like, yeah, but I need an adult that's a more of an adult. And she like, she just starts laughing at me. I'm like, hey, I'm serious. You know, like, you know, more stuff. And I need you to share with me. I don't know what to do. Right now, for example, I'm going through the process of like purchasing my first car. And so nobody talks about that type of stuff of like, hey, you need to apply for a loan, you need to do this, you need to do that. And it's just like, okay, well, nobody told me all this stuff. But of course, you know, always ask. I think that's one of the most important things to do. Don't be afraid to. Yeah. And I think we should have more workshops about all of these things too, like how Mm -hmm. to apply for a credit card, how to apply to get a car, you know, just those, or how to rent, you know, like to get a house. Like what is even the first step to get a house? Like as silly as it sounds. You should offer a course that says how to life. No, literally like as silly as it sounds. Like I also think we need to bring like home ec back. Like I know a lot of people are fans of that. But I'm like, no, I feel like I need to just train myself in the house more. Like, I feel like <laughs> I could be doing things better. Yeah, I feel like there should be a class that can show me how to do stuff with my leftovers and just yeah. turn it into a completely meal. Something like that, you know, something or, that teaches me how to like better. Shortcuts or just and, like, like go into like a fridge and it's like, okay, like you ever like look into your fridge and you're like, there's only condiments here and then like your mom looks in it or your dad and it's like and they whip up like this meal and I'm like well what are you seeing that I'm not seeing yes they they see the vision we don't (laughs) no I obviously do not see the vision I was like well I I guess like it's just gonna be like cheese and crackers and kind of like just fend for yourself kind of night I guess we just figure it out as time goes that's that's the best hope (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> but if you could give your younger self a piece of advice, what would it be? That you're doing great. Um, as hard as things seem, it it's only temporary. It is a temporary hardship and you will get through it. It is be calm before the storm um, or the storm before the calm, I guess the other way around. And that you won't regret it. No matter what you do, you won't regret it. Beautiful. Beautifully said. And last, last but not least, as we leave our listeners, if your journey as a first-generation student and professional can be captured in one song, what anthem would you choose to represent the triumphs, challenges, and perseverance that define your remarkable story? Oh. No, yeah, I always tell everyone, I'm like, if anything, I think this is the oh. hardest question throughout the entire yeah. So please, please take your time. Oh, God. 
there's so many good songs that wrap up absolutely everything, all the hardships. I, oh my God. Dang, maybe we should make a, like a playlist. <laughs> yeah. Um, man. Okay. I need to look through my playlist real quick. Take your time. What kind of music do you usually, are you into? I usually listen to Latin music, so I think I might have to go with the Shakira song. If you've heard, you do not want to apologize. Be together, you'll be there and you'll be near. That's the Classic. Yeah, I think that's what I have to go with because I just hear whenever, wherever, and then I just think of you know, like I could do anywhere, I could do this wherever I go. So yeah, I think that one. That would be a good anthem to always be hearing in my head. Whenever, Wherever by Shakira. I feel like that's actually like a perfect song. I feel like a lot of people have been struggling with like, what's a song? But that's literally perfect. And I feel like now I need to get get back into like a Shakira <laughs> kick again. Yeah, she, she's one of the ones that I just feel like I've heard forever. And she got me through so many exams. <laughs> Just whenever I would get out, I'd just pop in the headphones and that was, I already had the playlist ready and she was always there. So I have to give credit where it's due. <laughs> I love that. You should be the face of Shakira's playlist. Like listen to yeah. Gassy's imposter syndrome playlist and you'll be cured. <laughs> that should be a thing, you know, <laughs> playlist for all of us to pass around. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of the First Generation Professionals podcast. We hope you found Cassie Ortega's conversation inspiring as I did. Their experience serves as a reminder that with persistence, hard effort, and solid support systems, anyone, regardless of background, can overcome barriers and achieve their goals. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing to our podcast, leaving a comment, and sharing with your friends and colleagues. Together, we can continue to celebrate the remarkable stories of first-generation professionals who have paved the way for future generations. Remember, you too have the power to break barriers and shatter stereotypes in your own journey. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll catch you in the next episode. Until then, keep striving for excellence and embracing your unique path to success. Bye-bye.